Hey, this is Ben from Kings and Conquerors. A short disclaimer before the episode launches. Um, we've recorded the episode in November 2022 and the episode will release now about a month later. Reason for this is we've had some issues with the audio recording, which we've had to sort out first. Um, so yeah, we'd like to apologize for that and we hope you enjoy what's to come. This is Kings and Conquerors, an Age of Empires 2 podcast by Chris Mom and Penne Beersje. Welcome to the Kings and Conquerors podcast, a podcast where you listeners are the kings and we conquer different topics. Tato Campiador showed the world he is capable of god-tier Age of Empires gameplay, as unexpected as the Inquisition, as supreme as any servidor. Both in strategy, execution and endurance, he proved himself the well-deserved champion of Red Bull Wallerlo Legacy 2022. So before anything else, we salute our newest champion. In this particular episode, we will discuss our feelings about the Red Bull event, as well as the upcoming events in Age of Empires 2. With all the recent tournaments, we debate our preferences for tournament settings, and we finish with a look on the future for the podcast itself. As ever, we hope you will be entertained. Welcome back, dear listeners. Um, We're going to start this podcast by explaining a little bit about our absence. So we gave you a pre-show for the Red Bull Wallolo Legacy Tournament, in which we hyped you up to watch the action. We explained you the settings, and we hope you enjoyed it. Uh, This episode, we will focus on our afterthoughts, so what we thought about the, the tournament, And we're also going to be looking at some of the other upcoming tournaments and maybe doing a comparison, trying to see what our ideal tournament settings are. Now, before um, moving on, just a quick note. We were absent for some holidays, both me and Penn, um, and that's why we're uh, not making a new episode. But um, we are glad to announce... Oh, no, we'll do that at the end, right, Penn? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know the announcement. Yeah, we'll do that at the end. Yeah. Okay, so stay stay tuned if you want to hear the announcement. Moving on, um, Red Bull Wololo Legacy. It's happened, it's passed. What is your feeling about it? Like, just first thought, first impression. How do you feel about it? Oh, it's it's hard to say, like, because I, I it's a bit mixed for me, but the final, imp- like, first impression now, in hindsight, it's, it's mostly the finals and the final weekend, and I was amazed by it. I really loved it. Um, again, production was this big, this um, qualitative. The the band that, like, when the semifinals started, they had, like, the drumming band and everything. And then the live audience, it was, like, yeah, big. Um, the games were, well, a top level. The, the commentary was also top level. 
I yeah, the finals for me were like a highlight. I agree. I agree hundred percent with that feeling. Uh, also, did you know that those tickets to sit in that audience were super cheap? Like I, I checked them and they literally were like maybe ten euro. Yeah, but they were sold out like instantly, right? In minutes, yes, apparently, yeah. No, I, I think that what what I really liked was um, actually I, I enjoyed the final weekend, like you said. I also enjoyed before the tournament started. There was this um, stream of content by people like Memb or the players um, that was on YouTube and other platforms, and I don't know, it really gave insights behind the scenes. They had this hype building i really love that as well you know because of last year you have some expectations about the show and then i remember last year it was like the introduction also they i i follow some people and i also saw some behind the scenes and i, I really love it. it it really yeah it's just nice to see the players you're rooting for in in a not well they're not playing the game and just in a casual setting but uh maybe we just get right into it like for me it was all in all a disappointment just because it was too fast. I don't know if you have the same feeling, but I felt like it was, it just passed me by so quickly. Like uh, there was like no time to, to just get into the tournament. This year, immediately the game started and they had an A stream and a B stream. And you actually had to look up who's on the B stream. Also, the, shortly before the tournament started, all the settings changed because two players couldn't make it sadly uh, and they were replaced and then the brackets changed a bit and to me it just felt a bit um, sad that you know I missed some good matches um, and I just prefer it if a tournament like doesn't do the A and the B stream or at least if they do it that it's like uh, announced a bit in advance and, and yeah just more clear. For me, it was a bit chaotic. The the way the tournament started, it was just everything going on at once. And then, yeah, I just prefer it if it's a linear experience. I think even for the players, it was chaotic because I heard that they so they had this uh, training area, and then they I think they hastily I think build a, a place in that area, two separate PCs for the beast stream matches to be played on, but there were no cameras. Uh, while even some of the smaller online tournaments now require, I have webcams. That's a, something that Memp is really pushing. Uh, but it's, it's it's nice to see the faces, you know. So they didn't have any camera on it. Actually, almost didn't watch the B stream. I watched some videos on YouTube afterwards, and I also feel like it's a bit weird if you have like the the A stream with the the Red Bull and and then the the interviews and like it's such a big show. And then you have the same players, the top players you're rooting for, and they go to the B stream. And it feels like it's just a, a pre-tournament uh, qualifier or something. Of, of, of a $5,000 tournament or something, like a small tournament. Yeah, there's. it's just like the game. And I know it's not the, the most popular analyst, but I think they did a pretty good job. But still, it felt a bit chaotic. I remember at, at the beginning, there was one caster who had like the camera. And then they turned the camera away because, like the camera of the, the caster, you know, which is a bit weird. Then they took that away. And then um, I think the casting must have done pretty well, but it's just like, who's watching if there's a, you know, at the same time, you have like the big Red Bull show. I, I just didn't understand it. 
Yeah, well, do you know the original ID that was pushed by Red Bull? Single elimination. So you come from China, you know, you're, you're Mr. Yo. You have to face seven days of quarantine when you're back. And it's like, uh, well, <laughs> one match. Oof, well, we weren't so feeling so well, but uh, bam, bye. <laughs> one hour later, you're out of the tournament. It's crazy. Yeah, so one match and you're out. <laughs> but I think comparing to the previous Red Bull, which was also in Heidelberg, which I think we both enjoyed immensely. I think you know we thought we I think we thought it was the, one of the best tournaments in the history of Age of Empires. I think it's like the difference. I think is now that the the legacy part of it. So they squeezed in uh, Age of Empires four, a little bit of one, and in the end it made it so that two had you know Age of Empires two had a limited time in the spotlight, and we didn't have enough breathing room like we had when it was only two the previous time, no? I think you can do tournaments like this, but not such a big LAN event. And that's not what people want. People want, like, the the hype needs to build up, you know? It's not just because it's Red Bull that there's automatically the biggest hype. It needs to build up a bit, I feel. The, the previous time we had, like, a Swiss um, system, right? When players were, like, playing each other, but it's not elimination. It's, like, they score points, and then based on those points, you have the elimination matches or the winner matches based on the points, like, during the Swiss stage. And I really love this because before, like, the big finals are going around and everybody's, like, losing or, or like, getting out of the tournament or, or really pr- advancing, you already can see some strategies. Players are keeping some strategies in their pockets. It's it's, And that builds up for me. And I know we've had some qualifiers and some, but I think it's right what you say. It's not as big a hype. And I prefer if during the tournament you have, like, one week where it's, like, not really all stakes, um, and then a final weekend, or but that won't be possible if it's like Age Vampires 4 as well, and then all the production and all the people and all the yeah, I, I can imagine it's also expensive to host such a big event. So, yeah, the, the keeping the people there, hosting them, the hotels, all the other stuff. I mean, even uh, people like Viper had their own uh, camera crew to to you know, film his journey. <laughs> but I, I think let's focus on the positive now, okay? We've been saying all the negatives. What I mean, we already sh- shared some positives, which was, you know, the final weekend. Were there other positives that you felt to mention at this point during the before the finals? Yeah. Well. Um... I think apart from being an A and a B stream, the production was actually still at the level um, as to be expected, which is actually a a rough thing to say because (laughs) they put the bar that high last time, but they actually, the production was again, very, very good with the civilizations, with all the, all the things around, I think top level, um, like event they hosted. Don't forget the physical props, the little table with the flags and the map and all i love it (laughs) yeah yeah um so that actually it was again wonderful uh i don't know you yeah i I agree i i liked the casting as you said before i thought it was interesting this time i think uh they kept the two duos so that was um dave and t90 uh, was one duo the other one was um memba and nili and they kept them quite separated. I do remember the previous Holo that they had mixes, right? Yeah, they mixed it up. This time they didn't. Yeah, and I know my favorite 
podcasting duo is actually... Oh, here comes... Dave and Nelly. <laughs> I knew it! Me too! <laughs> They're the most sarcastic and, like, they make so, a lot of references and, like, f- funny things. But it's not really Age of Empires, but it's... it's yeah. For me, the most awkward combo was always Mamb and T90, because they just... They just don't want to cast together. Yeah, yeah. So anyway, but yeah, they kept it separate, which is fine, you know. Uh, I just thought it was interesting to note. Um, I did hear some feedback about, uh, like, not feedback, but like uh, complaints. Here we go again. Uh, about some of the other casters that were not invited, like Ornlu and um, Survivalist and stuff like that. That Yeah. But Survivalist did the B stream with Ali. Uh, I at least saw one match from it, but it's like how they decided it or... Uh, yeah, it is what it is, you know? Yeah, it's it's apparently up to Red Bull and they decide, um, like, they have their own system of thinking, like, what will go or what they what energy they like. Um, yeah. Hmm. Okay, so that's uh, the organization of, of, of Red Bull itself. Um, I think we both agree that we preferred all matches to be streamed on the A stream and just have more time in in the tournament. I think that's our biggest uh, point of feedback. But overall, I mean, the gameplay was there. I just want to add one thing, and I'm sorry that it's negative again, but one thing I I also liked, it it really made me um, uh, lose my shit or like during watching. No, that's that's a bit harsh. Um, But just... um, I was watching A stream like a match, but I don't want to know the results from the B stream yet. I, I Normally when I watch, I watch some big live games, but I don't want to get spoiled. And I watch the event linearly on YouTube afterwards or something. That's how I usually watch my tournaments. Um, because nope, I, I can't watch from like four days straight, watch all day. That That's not going to happen. But then for a week, I'm like watching when I'm cooking, when I'm uh, whatever. Uh, and then during a match, they will just randomly start saying results from other matches. And I was like, what the hell? Because I know that's like sport events do this because they're big live sport events. And then you select like, I want to see this or that. But in each vampires, normally they don't do those things, right? They don't just randomly spoil results from, from other matches. Um, yeah, that's something like while it happened, I was like, like, why are you telling me? Yeah, but that's, yeah. Before we move on, we should mention that we are not going to go super in-depth strategically on these matches because our... Um, well, how can I say this? Well, before we started making our own podcast, we were actually listening to another podcast, and it's the ASAP Weekly podcast by LeZero. Um, and they've already done a pretty in-depth uh, episode about yeah about this uh breakdown of the tournament yeah and they went over the like all the phases of the tournament and then um, the predictions and how it went so we feel like if you if you're in here for that then we would refer you to them uh, and listen to their episode about it yes we had a pre-show where we really went into the details but uh, we're not really going to do that now what I do want to do though is quickly so okay we have our opening thoughts about the tournament itself let's just quickly go over our predictions you know uh, i have it here in front of me so first we had the two groups uh, four players that um, go to the playoffs for that uh, 
leave the tournament. So in group A, we actually predicted, well, I think it was you who predicted correctly the four players that would go to the playoffs. I had a doubt our Lord and Savior in place of MBL. Um, now, actually, just quickly, I think Doubt was very disappointed in himself. I don't know if you saw it uh, as well. Yeah, he prepared a lot, and I think Doubt is still a very smart and strategic player. And when you hear, like, from Tato, a lot of his... Uh, yeah, I don't want to... Yeah, everybody knows the results, right? Uh, so, um, uh, so Tato says Doubt really has brought him a lot of insight, and, and but for Doubt... I don't know if it's the execution or the consistency or the speed. It's just like, and I just felt bad for him here. I think he could have done better. It's just like bad luck, maybe. No, it's not just that. Maybe the the change in the schedule also messed him up. Because I saw here he was supposed to play Cito in the opening round. And he ended up playing Dugao. I mean, maybe he was prepared for, for one, you know, and then was surprised or I don't know. Also... The guy was like, he was the replacement, right? Or was it couple? Yeah. And he was very good and very consistent. It was like, he didn't prepare. He Like he knew he had to be there like a few days advance. He went there and he was, he was beast. Yeah, yeah, I I agree. Same with MBL, by the way. He's with his full time job. He didn't prepare much. He just goes and just like improvises. And he's like super great. <laughs> That's why it's hard, they say, because the players, they are practicing a lot, they're talking a lot, and they're, the meta is really in, in the the uh, like the days before the tournament, there is already a bit of a meta there, but then MBL goes and he's, he just plays. <laughs> it, it, can, it can go any direction. <laughs> Look, when I see here Jordan, who's probably one of the more prepared players, he lost 0-2 to MBL in the opening round. I mean, you can see that MBL just kind of does his thing, you know? Like, he's, yeah, he still plays the, the Mayans and stuff. Like, he's just like, MBL. Anyway, so that was it. So, first predictions, you got it correctly. I was one player off. Uh, and then, actually, for the second group, we both got it 100% correct. Because I think we said the same prediction. So that was the, the our predictions. Then we both had our winner picks. Uh, can, can you remind the viewers who, which were you were your your two picks? Your your was it your underdog and your um... my favorite. I thought the favorite was the Viper, um, being the former champion, thinking he was in good shape. I still think he had a good chance, um, but in the quarterfinal he had to beat Leary, and then it's always a coin toss. I feel like. I think if he won that match, it's quite possible he became the champion against the Tato. Yeah, yeah, excuses, excuses. I just hear your favorites got out in the quarterfinals, while mine, which was Leary, managed to get into the finals. So I guess one of the two has a better predictive talent. Yeah. <laughs> okay, okay. <laughs> and who was your underdog then? How did he do? Yeah, well... That is literally like a foul, like not correct. I should get a refund. I should get another underdog pick because L Winchester couldn't make it because of visa issues. You know, the Vinch wasn't there. I mean, theoretically, you could say he trained a lot and, and gave a lot of tips to Tato. So in a way, the spirit of Vinch is in Tato in this tournament. And you could see that 
Tato won the whole thing. So my underdog pick and my winner pick basically play the finals. So I guess <laughs> I'm, uh, you know, Mem always says yeah. Nostra- Mem- Memstradamus. I think I'm Kerstradamus uh, as well. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. I'm not so sure I agree. Um, anyway, my uh, my underdog was Hera. And some people will say it's weird that Hera is an underdog. But if you look at his results, I think it's not that weird that you call him an underdog. Um, because he's always, and this time again, he he has he struggles to um, yeah, complete the the task of winning the tournament. You know. But actually, I watched his stream afterwards, and um, yeah, I think the game against Tato. I mean, he said that Tato seemed unfazed by the audience, but Hera. I think was impacted by the long, the crowd, the noise, you know. That's his, ex- and then he also had the, the technical issue that he lost. Well, he said thirty seconds, and then apparently it was corrected afterwards. Uh, it was ten seconds. Like someone, one of the admins, yeah, of course. Yeah, but it feels like thirty, and you're in the adrenaline. I, I can imagine it feels like thirty seconds. Yeah, it was just in the middle of a raid, also. So yeah, ten seconds of of idle time can be. The difference there maybe but uh yeah i think in general he just didn't manage to get his game on you know and tato was a monster you know he the spirit of vinge was strong in him he uh <laughs> he was unperturbed leary was actually fun because this time he was a grower like he started a bit rocky leary not doing that great losing to tato zero two you know and then suddenly in the final playoffs he just turned it on and he just Smashed Viper, smashed Vilesse, did a good, great final. Actually, for Leary, that happens quite a lot. That in the start of a tournament, Leary is not the most prepared player, actually. If you compare him to some other, he doesn't play a ladder. He just shows up for tournaments. He prepares a bit, but he's not the most prepared. And usually you can see him, like, getting into shape, just, I think, because of he's playing a lot. And he's like, he usually gets better during the tournament. So, yeah, all in all, I think it was an amazing finals. And I think that's something that everybody, you know, it's always good if you have a good finals, no? Because that's the thing that stays most of people's uh, memory. Uh, also, I don't know if you watched the video made by the GL team about the watch party that they had. Yeah, their own watch party. It was awesome. It looked so fun. They, this, they, they rented this bar with a big uh, screen. They had uh, all the... the members of the team there uh, except of course for Tato who was playing and uh, yeah they were watching it live and then Tato arrived with the trophy and it seemed super nice fan event you know Uh, yeah definitely watch that video if you want to get a feel of how it was that night or that day uh, the hype uh, behind it uh, yeah very nice to see but they had some issue you know GL for their watch party and their planning they had planned the whole event out like for their fans and everything and then apparently the Age of Empires 1 final, which was supposed to be in between the semifinals and the final, it was over really, really soon. Like, and then the, the, apparently it was like a big rush for them. Like, oh shit, um, finals about to go down way sooner than they anticipated. <laughs> yeah, maybe that's a good moment now to say, what did you think of the Age of Empires 1 uh, games? I, I, to be honest, I loved seeing like um, top level Age of Empires one. I also learned a lot because you know I lo- I like I played Age of Empires one a lot against the AI, 
I don't think on the E at least there's a big scene online. I've 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 played one game and I couldn't really find matches, so I don't know anything about meta. And just seeing those professional players was really interesting to me, and it's like a different mode. Um, however, the it was really not a fair fight or a fair competition. I feel like it's uh, 2018 Viper maybe against some anybody else which which we saw. It was like total domination. But it's weird because when I look at the playoffs before, the, the winner had a very uh, a relatively closer match in the semifinals than the finals. And also they played, I don't know what it is. Is this the best of 21 or something? Like something ridiculous in the semifinals? Uh, <laughs> and then the finals was the best of... Uh, of uh, five, I guess. Yeah, best of five. Yeah, and it was just a quick trio, it was. <laughs> yeah, but uh, <laughs> I mean, there's a lot of things to be said about it. But did they play the finals on Definitive Edition? Yeah, but that's the thing. They um, they just added it a bit, but the, the engine is... I think it's still based all on the same game it was because the pathing and everything is still a bit the same. Um, I do have to say, like, the best of 21 for Age of Empires 1, Age of Empires 1 games are very much shorter than um, Age of Empires 2 games. And they also said it's, it rarely goes to the, the Iron Age. Usually it's over in Tool Age or Bronze Age. Um, which, you know, I, I wouldn't know because I've only played the AI and then it's totally not like that. But if you think about it, just the fact you cannot garrison the Vils and everything. Um, yeah. I think it's a quite a short game or quite aggressive. Actually, it's a very aggressive uh, uh, game. I think Age of Empires One. I heard a lot of the players were were laughing because um, they had one of the Age of Empire One players arriving, you know, and uh, he had this girl with him. So they were talking to her. She was speaking English, and she was like, oh, she was thinking that it was his girlfriend. And then ACCM was translating. He was like, "No, no, that's not his girlfriend. That's his agent." They were like, "What? They have a, they have agents?" <laughs> and then I think it was Dart or Kaposha. I don't know. They were like, "We're playing the wrong game." And like, if you play one, you get agents. You get like, <laughs> "What the hell?" <laughs> yeah, it's very big in Vietnam. Yeah, but I I liked it. Um, but I think yeah. Um, what? Because we're on it now. I think we can just complete Age Vampires One. Uh, right now. Um. It, it's just very much more aggressive and I feel like the Tool Age is a big thing and then there's a counter, but it's just a, like the Snowball Empire Wars is, Age of Empires 1 feels like it's an even bigger snowball. You know, the first one to aggression just wins and one of the players there was just faster and bigger and then it was like every game it was the same and then one game was a water game and that was interesting. It, it had more like the galley micro feel to it, but yeah, one player, one water. And then it was just like waiting until the Bronze Age to finish it off. But it, actually, we already knew. Or, 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 it, it, yeah, it's fair. Yeah. But still, nice to see the game, but not really the most um, interesting or competitive matches. Now, uh, it was a legacy tournament, so we, we had another format. Maybe let's just quickly touch on that one. So Age of Empires 4. To be honest, I only watched a bit of the semifinals and the finals, which was a bit of a one-sided affair as well. Um, actually, only Age of Empires 2 had a great close final, no? Uh, 
I, I have to be honest, maybe my preparation is lacking, but I haven't watched any Age of Empires 4. I've watched one. Yeah, yeah, I, I was... No, 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 that's not true. I watched... The Gao was also playing there, or Kapoch? No, the Gao? Kapoch. Yeah, Kapoch. And Viper. And I tried to look for Viper's games, but I couldn't find him. And then Kapoch I saw one game of. Like, one set. And that was it. Now, honestly, between the two of us, you're the one who's more into 4 than me. So I'm surprised that you didn't watch any of it. But more into 4, when it came out, I've played it a lot. And I, I've, I've watched one tournament before, but that's already almost a year ago now. So, yeah, I just didn't feel the hype. I'm sorry. <laughs> To be honest, me, I watching that, I almost you know, got into it when I saw like uh, the casters did a great job explaining the finals, what was going on, and I, I kind of understood some of the things, you know. Uh, but what annoys me in, in four, but this is just a completely random r rant, is that I find the physics of the game weird. Like when I see a when yeah, when I see a Magonel hit. Or when I see the units engage, you know, in two, I feel it has impact. I don't know why. It's like, you know what I mean? It, it has power behind it. And in four, even when they, they, the units die, they, it just feels a bit too f f like fake or I don't know what. I don't have the same feeling of like epic battle. Yeah. But you know what I think is also, I'm not sure, but first of all, the animations at first, I didn't like them then you get used to it if you play it. And I feel like if you've played the game a bit yourself, it's far easier to understand what's going on for like the engagements because it's not the same. Like um, archers, men at arms, like mangonels, the entire um, rock, paper, scissors systems, which we have in Age of Empires 2, is completely different in Age of Empires 4. So men at arms counter archers or, or yeah, things like th that, this, and you need crossbows to hit heavy infantry units like i'm not a big expert of four but it's like baseline it's different it's different systems so when you're looking at it at an age of, as an age of empires 2 player sometimes it feels like very unintuitive what's going on but then it's good you have a good caster that explains it a bit but i feel the more you would play it the more engaging it would be to look at a competitive match and vice versa the more you look at competitive matches the more uh, hyped you would be to play yeah I understand. It's also fun if you don't know what's going on because it's like, ooh, he's got three out of three relic spots or like positions of power or whatever. And it's like, I don't know what it means, but I think he's winning. <laughs> I think that kind of concludes our first thoughts about Rebel World Legacy. I think we can, we're going to come back to it uh, when we discuss our tournament setting. But I just kind of want to move on and, and compare um, Red Bull Wololo to one of the current ongoing tournaments. So as you know, Red Bull Wololo was a LAN event, so a local area, so people have to join physically together. Uh, and it was played on Empire Wars. We didn't really touch on, on what we thought of Empire Wars as a game, but maybe we can do that at the end. But um, there's another tournament going on right now. It's the Warlords tournament. It was announced by MEMP before uh, the start of Red Bull Wololo. And it's an online uh, tournament, so matches are being played uh, over uh, on the computer with the webcam, so you can see the players' reactions. Um, it's a slightly different format, uh, so they've got nine villager starts, but none of the buildings. So Empire Wars, you start in Fuel Age with the buildings and all that stuff. They don't have that. You just start with nine villagers in Dark Age, 
and I heard him describe it as a way to accelerate the early game. Now, first thought, uh, Pen, when you hear nine villagers start in Dark Age, what do you think about it? I think it's interesting. It's, um, first of all, we've had it like for the arena um, event from John Slow. I'm not sure what the name of that one was. Um, but like, it's, it's something that came up to me this year, I think. I think it's relatively new. And it, it mixes things up. It it can it it changes. Like the drush is a bit less impactful, I think, but it can also go sooner. The fast castle. Yeah, I, it just mixes things up. I like it. Have you watched any of the games or Okay. Because I also feel like you don't feel like you're watching a non standard game. Well you don't have the feeling it's a different game. You almost don't notice it, except that when they click up it's a couple of minutes faster. But for the rest, it's like a same, similar game, but slightly faster. Is this true, to be fair? Some Civ bonuses, like Mayan start with an extra vill, is less impactful, of course, because you do have some slight nerves to certain Civs. But, you know, that maybe just makes it more interesting and gives a bit of a new flavor, I don't know. Um, okay, so that was yeah, that was the game start. Now there is also another aspect of the Warlords tournament, which is experimental, and that is the maps. So instead of having your traditional kind of map draft, banning maps, choosing maps, they've gone with a different format. So instead of that, they actually um, have categories. Okay, so they've uh, arranged the maps into I think uh, seven groups. So these can be, for example, open maps, which contains Arabia, maps like that. Um, closed maps, you know, you have your arena, your hideout, these kind of things. Um, what Full water maps, you know, islands, uh, like hybrid maps with like uh, lakes and, and land, uh, like four lakes. Uh, what else is there? You know, so th there's different groups. So the goal is actually that one of the players chooses the type of maps. You know, so you have like, ah, I'm good at water maps. I'm going to choose the category water maps. Uh, so he chooses that one. And he can also um, ban one of the maps from the group. So there are three in the water group. In the water uh, group, there are three maps. So he can ban one of them. And then the other player chooses from the remaining maps. Ah, we're going to play, you know, the islands. We're going to play the, I don't know, whatever, water nomad. Uh, so that's how it works. And then the other player can choose a category. And that's how they decide the games they're going to play. So what do you think of this kind of style of choosing the maps? I, I like it for like balance reasons or like um, clown stretch. You know what I mean? It's, 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 it gives a competitive feel. But also it may, it's, I'm not so sure because otherwise people could like have a, a very particular strategy for a very particular civilization on a very particular map. It's harder now. It's easier to ban it out. Um, but just in general, if you ha if you are having like a big tournament, I like it. Just the fact that there are so many maps which players can choose from, and it gives a very much diversity. Um, Mamp has gone for very standard maps for his tournament, but he has just um, included so many maps that it's okay for me. Yeah. Uh, also, one of the things that I feel when you play um, when you watch this tournament after a while. You start to see what he's what the goal was, I think, and it's the diversity. So, like when you see, you know, uh, 
king of the desert tournament you know it's always arabia it's kind of the, the goal of it but you know what i mean you, or even actually to the point the red bull tournament there were often the same maps being chosen you saw the bull rarely you know what i mean um well i feel like at this tournament even the best of five matches that are currently being played you already feel like it's wildly different it's really cool to see like you're watching the same tournament but it's so very very type of games you see so many i've seen nomad i've seen black forest i've seen arabia i've seen yeah it's everything that's yeah yeah i i actually like this tournament um i'm thinking about it uh because it's actually still on the red bull can i say one thing about it or ask you one question about red bull now because i just thought of it um in our previous episode we were discussing a map and which maps would be our favorite were you surprised by watching the tournament did it really get to your expectations about it so enclosed i found i really enjoyed enclosed but i didn't see it a lot you know um i think it was way better than atacama i guess which was similar but with this fish which is basically like if you don't win in the fuel age like if you i mean it's over in five minutes the game so uh, but i didn't see it enough uh, i don't know your favorite was the bull right yeah, and in advance, I thought the bull would be my favorite because I expected like tower rushes and everything, and I thought it would be so fun. But actually, once the tournament got going, it was quite clear. I think it was uh, Turks. It was introduced by after, wasn't it them? Hera and Liri, or was it them? Yeah. And then other players adopted it, and it was like very clear okay, you're very close together. The one who gets Turks will go for a very aggressive game. And it's like the diversity which I expected didn't really i mean the first games i loved but then the games afterwards were like a bit of a repeat a bit of uh, and i lost interest a bit to the map because although it's aggressive and diverse it's actually quite predictable after a bit maybe because we didn't see enough games so we didn't really have shifts in meta or like counter strats um but yeah and then um what i didn't expect is that um i really 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 enjoyed shoals like with the gold on the sides and then the yeah i saw some pretty diverse games and i just one game like the in the finals do you remember the game from liri to tato with the italians versus um what which was yeah and i was like wow from the the demos and the the condottieri play from uh it was like i I, while I was watching that game, I felt like this game is, for me, was one of the best games I've seen. Like, strategic, uh, yeah, I loved it. Like, Tato just turned it on. Like, suddenly, he was attacking in three different locations at the same time. He had, like, like it was, Liri was overwhelmed because he had, it was amazing. Both gold spots, the, the raid at the same time, it was just like, oh, such a nice uh, play from Tato. The map has a lot to do with that, I think. Because it gives you the option to, like, actually, because it has the water in the middle and then the sides, it's, it's like, it gives you the option to do a lot of diverse things. And the bull, in hindsight, although there's shore fish and there's docks and there's, like, all the things going on because you're so close together, I think the diversity is really not that big. It's always the same very aggressive uh, games you get. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, I know what you mean. Anyway, yeah just maps right so maybe maybe another point negative about red bull you know that we didn't like enjoy all the maps necessarily so that's the warlord tournaments check it out if it's still going on or check it uh, retroactively then the last thing we can discuss is the 
a tournament that definitely won't have happened yet, right? By the time this uh, podcast is released, which is the uh, Dream, uh, Dreamhack uh, Hanover uh, tournament. Grand Melee is the name of it. So do you know when is it uh, being played? December somewhere. 15 until the 17th. It's interesting because it's quite a mix. It's a LAN event, so like Red Bull Wallow, but they're not playing Empire Wars. They're adapting the Nine Villager start um, from Warlords. So in a way, it's a, it's a mix between the two. I don't know, what do you, th- what do you think? There are two players confirmed, which is Leary and Tato. Yeah, because they final- were the finalists in, um, in Red Bull. And um, yeah, both players, <laughs> I, I would say, are favorites right now, especially Tato for me was always a consistent player, but now I think I might have a new guy to root for because he, yeah, he's an entertaining player to watch. And yeah, okay. Um yeah, I like the nine villagers start here as well. The just yeah, Empire Wars. After a while, it's good that it's for Red Bull, and I like it. But yeah, for me, that's enough for of Empire Wars. And um, the nine villagers start might be also a bit faster. A bit. I wouldn't like the nine villagers start to replace the three villagers start. To be honest. Hmm. In I mean in in our games or in general. In in general in tournament games because of laming, drushes like some out-of-the-box things that can happen with three villagers or losing a village. Like, I actually like the the inconsistency of games a bit and the diversity. And with nine villager starts, I think the builds will be more consistent and very and the, the games. And I, I like it if it's a bit... Like Sokotra with three villagers, I like better than with nine villagers. Yeah, yeah I see what you mean. But I think there's an idea that's with the hosts, the tournament hosts, the organizers, I mean, sorry, that they think it's too slow for a viewing experience. Yeah, there's a lot of time you have to fill, but I think a good caster can take that time to talk about, you know, the matchup, um, yeah, you know, stuff like that. It's a, it's a breeder also for them to, to get into it, you know. And also, I think first, what, what I'm saying is like more strategically, the three villagers can give you a bit more of a diverse game than the nine villagers start. But just if you're not really that of a strategy nerd or, or you just want to watch an entertaining game, it's rather you rather have a fast-paced game than a strategic one. You know, like the island games are also quite strategic sometimes, but they're slow always. It's going to be interesting because the qualifiers of the tournament are, of course, online. Uh, and I, the only negative point I've heard is they happen the 3rd and 4th of December is that for some players, um, even if they would qualify, it would be impossible for them to get a visa approved uh, within the, in the little time between. And that's the thing with the LAN, of LAN events. It's it's good if you're a European player who probably has to travel very, you know, not very much. If you're in the Union, it's it's you don't need anything. You can just freely travel anywhere, yeah. Yeah, and, and even the, 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 the prices, you don't have to get a... Mm, in some cases, you don't have to take an airplane, you know. Uh, I mean, you know, it's it's not too expensive. You can drive, uh, you know. Then it's just that the qualifiers need to be a bit more in advance so players can um, get their um, administration fixed in time. And Yeah, yeah. Well, we didn't mention it's also 100,000 uh, euro, I guess. Uh, dollars is dollars? Uh, 100,000 um, dollars prize pool you know so it's quite significant it's a huge tournament again we are quite spoiled 
Yeah, and because there's, I think there's only eight players, so the winner gets 40k, the runner-up has 20k, and then it's diversified uh, for the others, I think. 14 for number 3, 10k for number 4, and the others get 4k. Wow, that's really nice. The This is a nice prize pool, what we say, but the downside of this is that there's only 8 players actually getting a paycheck for this. If you want a competitive um, scene in general, then it's good to like not only focus on the top 8 players, and that's why I like TTL, and there's also some initiatives like this to yeah, incentivize. Yeah, You prefer to have all of this money like and then just give up to, to uh, top 64 for example no even if it's only a hundred dollar for the for the 64th place it's at least something i mean like 40k is a lot of money and okay maybe you just win one tournament every two years then that's uh, an average income of 20k but you also stream and they also i think you need to make sure that the top players they have like solid income so they can keep going full time but I also feel like if you have too much tournaments like this, it's it might be bad for the general competitive scene that you just have like a few top top players and then there's a big skill gap. I I disagree. I disagree because I mean I understand what you mean, but there is a thing where the more of these high profile events there are, the more the game and the tournament scene gets visibility, which attracts. Um, companies for public like advertisements you know so that means that there's more money in the game in general so that means that even smaller tournaments will have an easier time maybe getting a sponsor getting uh, money for the you know so it's a bit like you know the rising what is the saying rising what the rising water no the rising tide um, raises all boats have you heard this expression so in a way it's trickle down economics no <laughs> i don't agree uh, okay let's not get into those discussions um but i i agree with the fact that yeah but just it's 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 um in general it might be good for the community um and the mindset i had was more like a community that that like the way we've done it with age of empires for a long time is self-funded right and now that there's some big sponsors it might be better to follow this road uh, yeah yeah we'll see what happens and also being full-time self-employed with such a because the number one gets 40k number two gets 20k then 14k for the number three keep, we need to keep in mind that like the others who get 4k yeah compare that to a, a standardized income that's the same every month it is not the most um insured existence i feel and the pressure to perform uh, we can't underestimate what it is for a player i think yeah, which is which is why they 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 go into clans and and teams eh? and to get us into the structure that provide a fixed salary. They take maybe a part of your earnings when they when you win a tournament, but you're guaranteed income. So, yeah, it's like a union, but I I understand it. If you look at this, that's also one of the reasons we have like a very good vibe in the community. But if you think about it, like the difference of winning and losing can be very big. If you look at prize pools like this, I think it's. You could also get a very toxic, competitive, uh, alpha, um, you know what I mean? Like, I'm really happy about our community, but if I look at this, you can really imagine things being very, very different. And that's maybe why we should t take into account those semi-final games, those final games, the pressure that's behind you for even the, the, the money on the line. Is, uh, you shouldn't underestimate it. But uh, actually... Uh, I wonder if, if that ever happens where they make deals. Because I do know 
from um, other games that I watch that sometimes the final they will be like before the game starts be like hey let's just split the price we we just let's I don't know I, I'm not saying that's happening in these vampires I just know it from other games where they just agree beforehand because it's like do you want to have the pressure to play for 20k which is for example the difference between first and second place or do you just say let's split it we both get 30k and we don't have this pressure you know it happens in some games yeah but then you we need to put it on a contract i feel just to make sure um well if you trust each other don't need to <laughs> okay yeah what i do like is like having teams and they like like gl if anyone from gl wins the tournament it's good for the entire team of gl if it's like this i think it's it can have a very positive effect because the players from each team will support each other and then it's it's like less pressure on the individual but still a lot of pressure for the team so what you're saying is we need to unionize all the players form your teams get together I, I I think that's nice. I, I think it might have a positive effect on the scene. And the, if if price rules keep evolving like this, I don't want to get to a point where we have like big drama, big, um, you know, you can sometimes read about it from other um, games. Yeah. But what's to stop one mega team from forming like we already have? Uh, Tyrants, yeah. Maybe that's on a, a separate episode. Let's just go on about the tournaments right now. <laughs> Uh, okay, so <laughs> we got kind of off topic. Yeah, but that's fun. Um, so look forward to look forward to the to watching that tournament. Qualifiers are sec- uh, third and fourth December, and the, the the tournament itself is two weeks later. Um, so that's uh, Hanover Grand Melee. Um, as we said, look forward to that. The competitive scene is in a great spot. Let's get on to our final discussion, which is. What would be your ideal tournament, and what can we summarize from the the Rebel Wallow, the Warlord that's ongoing, and the future planned Hanover tournament? Do we like the diversity we see? Do we want more standardized type formats? Like, what do you think? Um, I think. I've had some favorite tournaments and they've been diverse in format. Like I really enjoyed the, or was it the World Cup 2v2? And then there was the Empire Wars 2v2. There were like some 2v2 f- tournaments a year ago or something, or two years ago. And I, I was really into it at the time. And then Red Bull, I was also really into that tournament. And I was also really into the Wandering Warriors Cup, which had like the Nomad starts and the really strange maps. Um, in general, I see the current tournaments, they are shifting more towards the meta maps, I feel, like the Resurgence, the, this one, um, the Warlords, now the, the Grand Melee. It's a lot of the maps we also see in the um, ranked map pool or in the standard game. And I don't mind it too much, but I also I'm don't get too hyped from it. Um, maybe that's because I'm a map lover, but I feel my favorite tournament always has something new. Like prefer preferably like special maps which are r- new or at least maps we don't see that much, and then maybe for me they can even diversify game modes. Like, like um, you can pick your home map right, and you can pick your sis, but you could also pick like home maps on formats. For me, that would be yeah because I I don't mind diversity at all. Like say that you have a best of five, and you start off on Arabia General RM, and then you can pick 
what you want. Do you want a nine villager start? Do you want an empire war start? Do you want? It might be really hard to prepare for the players, which I, yeah. Um, but I think as a viewer, that would be like, yeah, you just get a jack of all trades and, and, and a lot of special maps. But maybe in practice, it would be too hard for players to really commit to a tournament like this. So that might be the downside of it. It's not... I, well, the good point is that finally a tournament that's uh, written uh, for MBL to win. But in, in general, it's not just the players that would have trouble with it. It's also the viewers. Because not every viewer is as committed as we are. And maybe they start watching on Twitch and they're like, oh, it's oh, Age Vampires, okay. Oh. And they start to understand that the next game is Empire Wars. And they're like, what? Or maybe Deathmatch. You know what I mean? It's like, what's going on? And I don't know. It could be fun for the, the players like us. But if it's casted well, if, if the commentary is done well, like you, I think it was TTL which had Regicide um, Fortress as a map. And Regicide Fortress is also a completely different game mode, right? You start with a lot of hills, you have a king, you can kill the king. Um, and I like it that those maps are just randomly thrown in there. Um, but maybe, yeah, I'm not so sure. I, I, I think I would like to see a Regicide tournament, but I don't necessarily need to see a Regicide map. I don't know. I... Just add one map from it or, or like add a game mode? Yeah, maybe it's too much. Like if you have a Regicide and an Empire Wars and a random map, uh, like... Then they pick your map. It's, it might be too hard to follow for like the casual. But if I would have to choose one game mode, for me, it's still the three villagers start then. Mm, that's, that's classic. But I also disagree with your other point, like um, those crazy maps. Because to me, when I play online and I have this weird map, I don't know what's going on. Uh, and it's really difficult to play. Um, and it's not like I see a pro play it with all the weird settings that I'm like, it doesn't necessarily interest me. What I find interesting is with the traditional maps, for example, you have um, Arena, and someone, I think it was Dart or someone, that took Bengalis on Arena, and he literally went for like a super quick castle age uh, with these tanky monks, quick imperial age, and he beat his opponent, I think it was Jordan, and I just loved seeing it because it made me think, wow, I really want to play Arena now on the ladder uh, and try this Bengali strategy. And I would not have that if it was a weird custom map that I would not be able to find a game. You know, so for me, I like seeing crazy new strategies on, ex on established maps. You know, but it's true. I understand what you mean. You don't want to necessarily have the same civs on the same Arabia, whatever, you might not learn. But it's, you know, you have the new civs coming out, you have maybe new strategies coming out. Uh, yeah, I don't know. But that the difference is that you w are watching like as a player and you want to be inspired for your own play, I feel. And I really get excited from watching like metas develop and strategies being um, like, if something is new, like everything is, is open. You know, and as a viewer, you're really like, you're seeing things develop and you're thinking about, oh, he's doing, you know what I mean? And otherwise, I'm not so sure. I'm, I'm generally less interested in an Arabia game or an arena game than I am in like, let's say the border dispute, which is something new or the, just me as a viewer, but that's very subjective, of course. Um, yeah. 
Yeah, it's fun because me, I, I, I mean, when I started watching Age of Empires tournaments, it was quite some years ago already. It was actually a lot of the games were Arabia and it was even mirror match. So you often had Huns versus Huns, Miles versus Miles. I mean, yeah, ugh, thinking back indeed, that was boring sometimes, but also not. It was like, it was about execution. It, and it's almost like, you know, chess. You don't, chess is always the same game, but it's how you play. And I find it also pretty interesting to see how they execute their plan, how they adapt their strategy, how they cope with... The, the, the battles, you know, and that's what I learn from and that's what I like to see sometimes too. So for me, I'm actually quite different from you in that way. I don't like to think about the developing meta or try to think strategies. I kind of, I want to be surprised, you know, and I just... You, you, you prefer, like, the difference I think is um, what I like is people coming up with strategies thing, and you are more about perfecting the strategy or perfecting the execution while I like an out-of-the-box ID, and then the execution might be like on a new map. Uh, I don't know, because like, uh, I don't know, I think it was Dart or something. I remember the map exactly, but he went for Archer Rush, and then he went for a Siege Workshop, and I was like, okay. And he just added battering rams, and I was like, huh? And then he started battering ramming the TC, like the, t the towers in TC with the archers, and I was like, wow. I don't remember the Civ, but it was something that inspired me, because it was like... Ah, adding battering ramps with my archers. I never tried that. That's inspiring to me, you know, seeing new strategies, like new combinations of units and how it's indeed performed, executed. I don't necessarily need to see always the same uh, Night Rush, Fast Castle, the classic things. I like new strategies, but I don't need to see it on crazy new maps or new, you know what I mean? I don't know. I understand you, but I think um, that's just a, a difference in... <laughs> preference because I, I understand what you're saying and I, I, I mean I get it I'm, I can also get excited about it but not at the same level like I was for the Wandering Warriors Cup where it had like mired and like these maps which like and during the tournament the meta develops and then you can also have people like shifting the meta or trying something new but I also like um, but then also I want to play those maps and they're not in the ranked map pool so you would have to play with like um, lobby games or or like yeah so i can understand this as well like you want to play them as well or try it out but i i just get more excited for maps that are not that are new they because it for me as a viewer i'm thinking way more about oh what should it do what you know what i mean it's less about watching what the pros do and and, and thinking about what they do it's more you can it triggers your own thought process for me so an another point is that you have a flourishing scene of small tournaments that are never going to be costed, or at least not by the most famous casters, but that have interesting settings like the Nomad uh, Wars League or like uh, other smaller leagues like that. So you can actually play and participate in tournaments of all ELO levels. So even if you're a low-level uh, legend, you can find a, a bracket that has players of your skill level and play these crazy, crazy maps. So as a player, you do have the option of doing that. So the question is, should there be on the higher level tournaments more of these crazy things or should we keep it more like like you said standard like I said standardized kind of games but need like nine villages start uh, Empire Wars whatever 
Or what do you think about that? Should we have more of a mix-up, or is it good that how it is now with these crazy maps being more for lower levels or less famous tournaments? I like a mix always. I I wouldn't like it if if like um, pro players always play on crazy maps. Um, I did like the fact that like when uh, Wandering Warriors came out, um, Paradox, um, which is also a, a nice streamer from Scotland, I think Paradox three hundred three. If you're looking him up. Um, he organized the Wandering Squires, or he was um, like the the administrator behind it, the host. Yeah, the host. Uh, and it's him who also does the Nomad League or Nomad War. Yeah, those tournaments, um, which are really nice as a casual player to join. So I would suggest looking him up. Maybe we can link him uh, or his Discord or whatever. Um, you know, in general, if it always would be tournaments like this, yeah, that would also. It's nice to have like. Um, a meta, a standard meta, and once in a while I would like a diverse tournament from it. I wouldn't like every tournament to be that like this, but right now I felt in my um, in my mind we've had a few standard tournaments like Resurgence, um, then Empire Wars, which is also a bit established in the uh, Red Bull. It's not that new. It's relatively the same maps as we had last year, and the, which have been in the pool for a year. Now, Warlords, now the Grand Melee for me. The next thing can be something wild. So I think that we want our favorite tournaments are going are diverse. We want to have different settings, uh, new experiences, crazy maps every, every now and then. Uh, now, another question. What do you think about L L LAN versus online? You know, LAN has its own challenges. You have to get the players there. All the visa stuff you have to do, it costs a lot more, I think, to organize it. So that means that you need to have a bigger budget. You know, it's going to be less easy, but you do have more hype. You have people physically there. I mean, I still remember Viper lifting the trophy last year after he won with all of the fan, uh, his players around him. It was during quarantine, so there were no uh, viewers. But still, that was really epic. And that's something I missed uh, this year, by the way. The the finals were a little bit like, eh, you know, because all the players were already gone because it was a week after. Anyway, but just in general, so LAN is, has all those benefits and, and, and disadvantages uh, compared to online. Uh, what do you think? Do you like the mix? Do you want to have more of one of the other? Like, what do you think? I think in Red Bull now we saw the downside of having a full LAN event where the um, like the rounds before the finals, the deciders, it's all LAN, and then it's really tough to have everything streamlined. Um, so for me, I can understand it's di more difficult to get like players in there for a full week. Everybody needs to get their visa, everyone, um, because of the A and the B stream, right, and everything that was going on at the same time. But I prefer it as a viewer, a LAN uh, event, especially um, because you say you were a bit disappointed this year, but I really enjoyed the, the people there and them cheering. It For me, it was, um, it added a great energy. Yeah. And as a viewer, even though I'm sitting at home and I'm watching it, I'm hearing the audience cheer and it, it, it does something as a viewer, you know, you feel sucked in it. And I think for the players, it must be the same thing when somebody's cheering for them after they do something. It just, yeah, it, it it adds to the immersion for me. And and I think for the players as well, it might also give them a lot of pressure, which is 
maybe less good, but I think the adrenaline for them and the reward for them will also be bigger if there's an audience cheering for you. Like imagine winning the tournament and then everybody's there cheering for you. How should that feel? Like amazing, right? That's a real sport. Yeah, yeah, that's a real victory. Much more than just congratulations on the stream or something like that. Yeah, You're still in your own bedroom, you know what I mean? It's not the same. Yeah, I understand. I, I It's the reason why, um, you know, sports have big uh, stadiums and stuff, you know, the energy of the crowd. I also think it would be fun to support, you know, go support your favorites or your favorite team. No, anyway, uh, yeah, so, okay, I agree. Uh, LAN is nice, and but I, the problem with LAN that I find is that it's over too quick, and I don't see any, like, fundamentally, you cannot do what the MEMP is doing now, which has, like, over time, you have a couple of days in the week, like the Friday, the Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday of matches, and next week again, and next week again, you have this, you find time to watch it in between when you, you know, doing something boring, and, like, it's makes me feel like I've seen every match and I'm really into this tournament. While a lot of event has to be shorter. You cannot you cannot keep people there for weeks. Yep. The the finals in LAN, I think, quarterfinals, semifinals, finals, but there's always the problem, as I said, um like if you want a streamlined tournament where it's linear, one player plays later than the other, one has more time to like get its shit together, recover a bit of his energy and his, his uh, mental state and the other for him it's shorter. So it needs to be separate almost or there needs to be a time gap in between. So maybe let's finish by thanking everyone who hosts these tournaments. I mean, they're really spoiling us with uh, what they're bringing to the table. Yeah, for sure. And um, just in general, for a more in-depth analysis of uh, Red Bull, go to ASAP Weekly. We will link to the description. Um, if you want, if you're interested in um, playing like casual tournaments, I will. Um, I would refer to Paradox because he's an active host. If there's other uh, active hosts, maybe join our Discord and we can talk about it there. Um, there's already some people in the Discord, um, but the more the merrier, I feel. Okay, I think that brings us to the end of the episode, right? I, I believe that, you know, we gave a good synopsis of what we liked and what we didn't like about different tournaments. And our conclusion is it's complicated, but we want diversity and a mix of different settings. Um, I would enjoy it. Um, and maybe to finish, like, give our listeners an... Um, an idea of what's to come for this podcast because we've been talking about it and we have an idea about the direction we want to go in. Yes, we did uh, tease you at the beginning of the episode. So finally the release. Um, so yes, indeed, we discussed with Penn about moving forward and we agreed that in 2023, so starting January, we want to give you our first real official episode um, we want to have more of a fixed time schedule, so it will be uh, each time around the beginning of the month. Um, so you can expect yeah, a full episode every month in the beginning of the month. Um, we'll see which day, uh, we'll let you know. Um, might be not necessarily a fixed day, but definitely the first week of the month. We'll have um, a f like more structured episode, so this 
for now we've been discussing the various subjects as they come about. Uh, we're following closely to the the news, but we will still have something like that. I, uh, we will still incorporate uh, the events of, in the community, but we're also going to have other aspects. So more fixed um, uh, aspects will be, for example, strategy discussions. Um, do you have any other ideas? Well, we, we do. I don't know if you want to spoil too much. Yeah, and if you, if people have suggestions, they can put it in our Discord. The idea is that right now we're we're we were just trying some episode about recording about everything, and now we want to go like have a, a a sort of a yeah outline of what a podcast should be. But it's it's we can still change things on the way. It's just that we want to have some kind of idea what we're making in advance because right now it's a bit chaotic. I think this episode was the um, the most free one we did the other ones we had so a, a very good idea about what we wanted to talk about this one was so um yeah yes and more of a, a real first episode this was the pre the pre-game and uh, the pre-show so yeah looking forward to that we'll definitely need your feedback on our first real episode tell us you know what you like what you don't like um and you know keep us informed okay pen i think that's it right yes um i also want to congratulate you um for going over 1400 elo once again i almost caught up to you but i feel right now i'm i'm not gonna make it <laughs> now you're over 1400 again <laughs> so yeah i started uh, paying more attention to when i was playing and <laughs> it's been fun i i've been having fun uh, in the 1v1s so yeah i'm up on the way to 1500 can stop me okay anyway uh thank you all for watching uh watching what i'm saying thank you all for listening view uh, viewers <laughs> listeners yes um thank you for um being with us and yeah join us on the discord if you want to uh, interact with us more um, um i was cursed my co-host or my well not co-host but oh yeah we didn't introduce ourselves this time i feel yeah, so now <laughs> I am Pen Ambish or Pen in short. And it's been a pleasure. Yes. So it's been a pleasure. Uh, see you soon in 2023. Or in the Discord. Bye bye. Bye.